Comics Quest, where we've hit the road for those who want to get into comics but don't know where to start. I'm your host, JD, and dear listener, we have a returning guest back for the third time. Please welcome the Wolfman himself, Nick Wolf. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm full of dinner right now. <laughs> I am not. I'm gonna, I'm going to be making dinner after this because uh the uh, yeah, I'm just having dinner after after this. I'm not going to go I'm not going to go into my dinner prep process here because not no no one's here for that. And if they are, why are why 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 are you interested in my dinner prep? <laughs> it's weird. Well, but yeah, like we're channel or podcast or whatever. Yeah, I guess I have to I have to start an, yet another podcast just to talk about talk about my dinner prep. Yeah, okay. Welcome welcome to Food Quest for those who want to prep meals but don't know how. It's me hitting myself in the head for allowing that to, to occur. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, this is a podcast about comic books. Uh, so we're not talking about food. We're talking about comic books. And we're talking about uh, this... We're talking... Yeah, we... Well, actually, we are talking about a very special egg. Uh, we are talking the six-issue miniseries Batman Universe, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Nick Darrington and colors by Dave Stewart. And uh, the gist of this story is uh, the Riddler has stolen a valuable Fabergé egg and Batman travels not only the world but the universe to get the egg back. And that's basically it that's that's the setup of the story it's a very simple story with batman and friends so when you it's first really picked fun. this up and you saw the title of a comic did you instinctively go and batman <laughs> sure yeah, he got he got it <laughs> mhm so nick uh you i don't remember we, we we talked about this a little bit, but uh, had you heard about this comic prior to my mentioning it? I don't believe I have, no. I heard about the Superman comic prior, where he's, like, rescuing a child who's been kidnapped and is all the way out in the galaxy. Yeah, um, yeah, that one, uh, Superman Up in the Sky by Tom King and Andy Kubert. It's very good. Probably won't cover it on the show, but I will. Uh, I will use this episode to say, uh, everyone go read Superman Up in the Sky. It's very good. And uh, they both came from like the same, uh, the the same source. So like DC. So the reason why Batman Universe exists, it uh, was born out of DC Comics and Walmart making a deal, and the deal would be was that, um, excuse me that uh DC would public would like publish these uh like 12 part stories uh with their characters and they would be published and, and, the, and the com the comics would be 
released in will be uh, sold in Walmarts, and uh, this one came from the uh, Batman Giant series. So there was uh, twelve issues of it, and like each issue had a part it had one part of this story as well as parts of several different. Uh, like Batman related stories like there was I think there was like a Bat, uh, Batgirl Nightwing team up story there was a Harley Quinn story um, so they had like all these and they were like they were marketed to kids like how com- you know you know how superhero comics you know are supposed to be for kids this oh, was yeah. marketed directly at kids yeah and uh, but the thing is is that this got so popular like this story got so popular so dc just decided well let's just re-release them in single issues in comic shops and that's exactly what they did they just took the 12 parts and then released them as six single issues and now we uh and and now we have it to read because um, you know we are adults here and we like we like our superheroes silly right nick right exactly it's all we want we want our superheroes silly so uh but i guess it has something that i that i have uh done uh, across the show now um nick i want to ask you uh what were your thoughts going into the comic while reading it and you know your thoughts afterward thoughts going inward i thought okay finally gonna read this i'm i'm trusting jd i'm sure he knows what he's talking about and so i went in with an open it's dangerous mind. it's very dangerous and i finished i read half yesterday and half today and then afterwards i skimmed through it a little bit to see if there was anything i missed and after after finishing it i just kind of had this sinking feeling that it just felt like this wasn't this is just an excuse to put batman in places batman normally wouldn't go is there which is not to say that's specifically a bad thing i mean i like i really enjoy the batman the brave and the bold tv show yes like, I actually watched. I actually watched a few episodes afterwards. I watched the one where he first teams up with Shazam, and they're fighting Doctor Zavanna and Black Adam. And I watched. I haven't watched one. that episode yet. It's called The Power of Shazam. Yeah, I I uh, I I stopped my my first watch through. I think I'm like, I want to say I'm like maybe four or five episodes in season two. I'm really bad at watching TV. <laughs> I'm really bad because I still have uh, I'm still only like one episode into season two of Young Justice <laughs> I'm bad I'm bad at this uh, with a show like Batman and Brave and the Bold that doesn't really have a set story arc I just pick and choose episodes like I watched the Shazam episode and I watched the episode where Jason Blood summons Batman to 1800 yeah 1800s, and UK and we get Sherlock Holmes we get Sherlock Holmes and the gentleman ghost only he's not a ghost yet but he will become that, a ghost 
Yeah, but watching those episodes, I felt like there was a lot... I don't know, it felt more rewarding watching those episodes. Maybe it's because it wasn't as time-consuming. Maybe it's because it felt like there was a bit more of a button. Maybe it's because those words have a... Those episodes have a little bit of heart, more heart to them than I thought would be possible. Because, <laughs> like, Shazam, the Shazam episode ends with Bruce looking into... Um, Billy's adoption records and finding his twin sister Mary and then the uh, Jason Blood episodes ends with while Bruce is being sent back to the future Sherlock Holmes is like hang on how did you really find out how did you really deduce who I am and Batman's like well it's obvious sir you're the world's greatest detective and it's like oh yeah with this okay with Batman universe it was more like and an uncharted Batman game where he's, he just goes to locale, locale, locale. Like, one, once he's on Thanagar, once he's in France, once he's in the Old West with Jonah Hex. And that's not... That's cool. But... I don't know. There, there was just... I don't know. Maybe if it were just a story where Bruce is teamed up with Hal Jordan or the like for a good amount of time instead of just one issue and like because the way that are we talking about spoilers uh we're uh, not quite yet all right i'll save that for when we're talking spoilers but okay. yeah so i was a little i was a little underwhelmed i guess okay yeah i can understand that so I think the reason, like, the, I mean, I, I would say the, the main reason why, uh, like, the team-ups were so, so short, because we get three, I think three team-ups, or four team-ups, actually, because we get uh, the first Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Hawks, Jonah Hex, Green and... Lantern, Jonah Hex, and Nightwing. Yeah, Nightwing, at the very end. So, you know, I mean, like, I, think, I, I feel like the main reason why, and I feel like this was more of, this wasn't... Bendis and Darrington this was more of a DC thing in that you know you had 12 parts and they had and so they wanted to try and get as much as they could in the in that like amount uh, in that amount so yeah I think that's why you see a lot of three by threes or two by threes a lot of small panos a lot of small panels to try and fit as much information and action as possible. Like, now that you said that it was originally 12 issues that were then condensed into six, a lot of the... Well, no, 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 I mean, like... A lot more sense. But it's, uh... It, I mean, it was... When I say 12 parts, I mean, like, each issue... Like, we, we, we reading it as a six-issue story, but mm-hmm. each issue was originally two parts like they, there was part one you know there was uh, part one and part two were then later combined to become the first issue parts oh. three and four became issue two and so on so okay. yeah I, I, I guess I wasn't very clear on that but yeah but no just, um, I just remember it being a little weird that issue one starts off with a two by three of Batman of a first person view of Batman in the Batmobile driving and then jumping out of it 
jumping out of the Batmobile manually. You know? Yeah. And then more more of that decompressed space about finding out where the Riddler is and assuring citizens. I did like when Batman first jumped up onto the building and he startled one of the na- the residents and he's like, ma'am? Yeah. Um, he's just like, don't worry. Big fan. Yeah. I, I So... Like, I can, I will definitely say, I like, saying, I'm, do what? I was just going to say, was what I was saying, did that make any sense? Yeah, kind, yeah, it, 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 it makes sense. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking, like, from, the thing is, so I read this uh, last year, I had, I had known about it. I remember seeing the issues, like, in my local comic book shop, but I, but just never picking it up. But um, then, like, fi- like finding out more and more about it after the issues were out, I decided to get the trade when it when it dropped. So I had pre-ordered it, got it in, and read it in one sitting. And the thing is, is that like, so I at that time I hadn't yet watched Batman: The Brave and the Bold, so this felt like. Revelation is too heavy of a word, but it was like in that vein. It it it, it felt like something I was like this is feels like something I haven't experienced in a very long time, like a very light-hearted Batman story that we just don't get. And I love that. I love the fact that it's a light-hearted Batman story. I love Nick Darrington's art. I really I really like Bendis's writing. I've never been like a diehard Bendis fan, but I do like a lot of his stuff. Like, you know, I, this is the only DC thing of his I've, I've read. I haven't read anything of any of his Superman stuff or young justice or, um, or Legion of superheroes. I mostly know him from his original stuff like Scarlet and powers and torso and goldfish or his, uh, Marvel work like, uh, alias and ultimate Spider-Man and daredevil. So, you know, this was my introduction to Bendis at DC and honestly I, I I I can tell you still like it but I can def- I, I would say like I I know I like it a lot more than you do I genuinely love it it's one of I can say without a doubt it's one of my top like three standalone out of continuity Batman stories but you know I uh yeah, I just I just love it, <laughs> and that's that's the whole point of the show is is I want to talk about comics that I love, and I do love this one. Yeah, there's parts so. of it I do like. Like I like seeing Batman trying to infiltrate Gorilla City without causing an international incident. Uh, I like when he's on Thanagar and is like, "Oh, we're just gonna fly over here. Won't take long." Like I I don't fly, but you have wings. It's a cape. It's a cape. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Let's see. What are you? About an eight? What does that mean? And they just <laughs> like an eight what? Then they just happen to have a specific bat harness with bat wings for him that is painted black. Yeah, don't question it. It's Batman. <laughs> we don't question that shit around here. All right. So we're like 
probably about 15 minutes into the episode. I guess we can delve into spoilers and delve into uh, the meat of the story. So you 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 had something that you you specific you wanted to talk about. So lay it on me. I guess I'll start with the end where talking uh, talking about how it was originally 12 issues split into that were condensed into six. Uh, the whole thing. Well, first off, I should start. I guess I should start with issue five, where it turns out what's inside the ring. Uh, 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 what's inside the egg? Uh, turns out to be a white lantern ring. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like if it if this were like a, I don't know about six issues, but maybe three issues, and it was just a team up with Hal Jordan and. If it were about Batman gaining a new respect for Hal and how he does things, and that allows him to figure out, oh, I know it's in the ring. I know what radiation it is. It's a, I keep saying ring when I mean egg. I know it's inside the egg. It's a prototype white lantern ring, and I, I'm going to say the oath so I can use it and not you, Vandal Savage, who turns out to be behind the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it, but as is, it's, it feels a little... I don't know. You feel you. It sounds like you haphazard? feel like it's yeah haphazard, unfocused. It doesn't have like a there's not like a clear through line, like a theme for exactly the overall like, story. With the, with the Jason Blood episode, there was a whole that was basically a detective story. Like the gentleman ghost, who is not a ghost yet, is going mm-hmm. around hunting women Jack the Ripper style and stealing their souls to summon. As as a from the underworld, but it, sure, there's like I believe steps that was to be taken. Yeah, there's steps to be taken to figure out what's going on, and you get that cool interplay between Batman and Sherlock Holmes, like two mm-hmm. detectives figuring out the mystery, and that leads yeah. to the big superhero bite at the end. It's like it all comes together. Right. Okay. I didn't really feel that with this comic. Okay, I can under- I can understand that perspective. I personally didn't feel that way. I felt that there was not necessarily like a thematic through line throughout the story, but it deal uh, it to me it did feel still feel. Uh, how do I put? Oh, it. I'm trying to figure out how to how to how to say what I want to say. I did like the pacing of it, um, which is a big part. Like. How do I put this? Okay, so when I was reading this uh, today, because I've I've I got had gone back to reread this today, I was actually listening to uh, I was listening to uh, the Ocean's Eight score by Daniel Pemberton, and <laughs> well, well, okay, I really love I Ocean's Eight. I would say is uh, even though it's a movie I really enjoy, it is inferior to the Ocean's Trilogy um, directed by literal god Steven Soderbergh. Um, But that score by Daniel Pemberton is an utter delight to listen to. And it's really weird how well that score kind of goes with reading this book in that 
you know, Daniel, Daniel Pemberton is someone who, like, his scores are very propulsive. If you listen to any of his music, if you listen to Steve, the, the scores for Steve Jobs or The Man from Uncle or, uh, or, um, that, uh, King Arthur movie that I wasn't a huge fan of, uh, I don't think most people were a huge fan of, or, um, or like Into the Spider Verse or Ocean's Eight or, um, recently like Birds of Prey. His scores are very propulsive and forward moving. And while listening to that, I felt I, I felt that forward momentum with this story. Like there was a nice pace to it, which I enjoy. I, I like I like having that like you know with, with this type of story where it's like a fun swashbuckling adventure, you should have that that you know, propulsive forward movement. And was that? Like, yeah, I can see that where it's pro- very propulsive forward momentum. Like, like I said, I it feels like a this is like Batman in an Uncharted kind of story game movie thing that takes place all over the DC universe. And I just recently finished both. Uncharted 4 and Last of Us Part 2, and more so with Uncharted 4, but those games also have a deal of propulsion of getting to the next objective, getting to the next objective, like a National Treasure movie or a J.J. Abrams movie, where don't think about it, just go, 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 go. Yeah, I well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, degradate the, uh, the quality of Batman Universe by comparing them to a J.J. Abrams movie. Um, instead, I would rather, <laughs> uh, did I, did I tell you, did I tell you how much I'm not a fan of that guy? Um, no, I, I see it as more of, uh, of like a classic of like Indiana Jones. Like when you mentioned Uncharted, you know, I've never played an Uncharted game, but I know like people sit, you know, like compare Uncharted to like Indiana Jones because they're both, you know, stories about you know, men going to find lost treasure. Uh, so my, like to me, like Batman universe is like Batman as Indiana Jones, which to me is like, that was like, that was Batman in the seventies In the seventies. Batman was like Batman as James Bond. And Indiana Jones is just, was like Steven Spielberg. Like I'm going to do James Bond, but not actually James Bond. Uh, where he, you know, Batman has like he's like got the coolest gadgets and he's got the coolest technology and he goes on all of these high flying adventures, and that's just what I wanted. That's exactly what I wanted. And that's what I got in this book, and I, it it felt like an extinction of like seventies Batman stories, where yeah. there wasn't like, you know, w- there wasn't like. You know, I mean, of of course, themes are and you know, themes are important uh, for stories. But I, f- I just like, in this instance, I was like, I was honestly okay with not having a thematic through line. At you know, at least like you know, just like I'm having fun, and the pace is nice, and that's you know, kind of what I'm here for. And the and the character work is fantastic. I like the, you know, I love the interplay between all of the characters uh yeah 
Yeah, I see what you mean where it's like Batman is Indiana Jones going from one place to another place to another place. Oh, my only counterpoint to that is that with the Indiana Jones movies, there is a bit of subtext to them that kind of makes them interesting to watch. Like in those movies, you get to see, like in order of when they were released, like you get to see Indiana Jones like fighting Nazis or uh, child slave owners for Temple of Doom, but you also get to see him as in these different lights, like. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark focus. Raiders of the Lost Ark that gives us a glimpse of let me start over again in Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Ark we get a glimpse of Indy as a kind of lover through the lens of Miriam like we get to pair characters with Indy to reveal uh, af- uh, affects of his personality like through Miriam Mir- and Raiders, we get to see Indy as a kind of like human lover sort of thing like that in Temple of Doom with what's his name? Short Round we kind of get to see Indy as a sort of father figure and as and with uh, Last Crusade and, and Sean Connery we get to view Indy as this kind of uh, kid who never really connected with his dad and when you watch the movies, you ha- that, that there's that little theme in the back of your mind, that little heart that adds some meat to the fun, pulpy adventure. And with character stuff and Batman, the only time I got any glimpse of that is at the end of issue four and issue five, where... <clears throat> gotta get that. Uh, end of issue four and issue five, where Vandal Savage shoots Batman point blank and we get him, we get Bruce just thinking about how I I didn't want to die in Crime Alley I thought it might be poetic to die when my parents died, but in the end it just makes me really mad and I'm also really mad that I can't even talk to Alfred because my earpiece got launched out when I got shot I just want to tell him about how much I love him and all that well, okay. So I agree with you on this. Uh except I I'm going I'm going to agree and disagree. I agree that I agree with everything you just said, but I'm also going to disagree and say I actually really really love the fact that throughout the story we are like Batman is kind of cold throughout it and we don't do it. I was just thinking amazing. Every word you just said was wrong. That's what you just did. <laughs> Are you referring to the best Star Wars thing ever? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, guess what? On this podcast, uh, I say that The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars thing. I'm sorry if you disagree with that. That's fine. But anyway, I really like the fact that throughout the story, it's like, you know, because th- here's the thing. We know Batman. Kids mm-hmm. know Batman. They understand Batman. They know who he is. They understand. They get the gist of Batman. It's the same with Superman. It's like Superman and Batman are baked into our culture. We just under- we just understand who they are. So in the case of Batman, like we just know who he we, like, we know, you know, he 
you know, he saw his parents die before his eyes. He, uh, and he eventually took a vow of, you know, for, at first, you know, he was thinking of revenge, but then he eventually just, you know, decided before becoming Batman that he would be a symbol for justice. And that would be, uh, a much more suitable, uh, outlet than just straight up revenge. And that's why he became Batman. We understand that. We know that. And it's kind of nice that throughout the story, it's like, you know, just already knowing that we kind of project that onto him. To me, the best team up, the best one is with Alfred because throughout the entire story, he is constantly talking to Alfred. You know, whenever, you know, the only times he isn't are when he's on Thanagar or when he gets you know, or when he's at the Hall of Justice and then he goes straight to uh, Dinosaur Island and then he gets launched into the Old West. When he comes back, he's talking to Alfred again because he's like, he, like Alfred is his rock. And then we get, uh, as you mentioned, like in issue five, we get that, uh, his monologue to Alfred just saying, I don't want to die in crime. I don't want to die where my parents died because this is just wrong. He's like, I, this is just wrong. I shouldn't be, they shouldn't, I shouldn't be like this. And, you know, I love you. And I, I, I love you, Alfred. And yeah, that's right. Don't even try climbing up here. You asshole. I love cat, but God damn, he can be an asshole sometimes. Yes. I'm talking about uh, you. Uh, a little, another nitpick about that is I, I think it's a little weird that Bruce keeps talking even when he realizes that, like, the earpiece has been dislodged from his ear and Alfred can't even hear him. I'm just like, why doesn't it just switch to uh, caption box, narrative boxes? Why does he keep talking if he knows he's already going to die? I don't know. It just feels weird. Because Bendis also, likes his characters to talk. Ah. Uh, also, he is so, yeah, he is someone who like he like really likes to have he he's not um if uh if you read uh, I'm trying to remember because I, I actually remember like in Ultimate Spider-Man like I I thought that was why that was a perfect fit for him because Bendis likes his characters talking and Spider-Man is the character who talks the most. He talks to himself all the time. He talks yeah, to his sense. villains all the time. And that was perfect for him. Uh, but here in, like, Batman, like, he's still, like, he just likes to have Batman talk. Like, if I remember correctly, throughout the entire story, there are no caption boxes at all. Like, every, like every, every word you read in the story is being spoken out loud by someone. Also, is it... Did the white lantern ring inside the egg just decide, no... This was my first choice. I'm going to revive him. Is that what happened? Yeah, I have no idea. It's comic books and I don't care. It's weird comic book shit and I don't care. I don't know. So, sometimes you need some grounding of your rules. No, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just taking the, I'm just, you know, I'm being funny. I'm trying to be funny, Nick. Why can't you let me be funny? Why can't you let me be funny? And then Bruce teams up with Nightwing and then automatically figures out that, oh, it's a lantern ring. I'll just say the oath. I don't think he immediately you figured had 150 it out. 150 years to figure this out, <laughs> savage. 
Well, he uh, no Savage knew what it was. He just couldn't understand why it would wouldn't choose him. I'm pretty sure Batman figured it out once he got in the car with Alfred. When Alfred came, came to pick it up, pick him up, I think it was like that's when he started putting the pieces together. And he's like, I'm pretty sure I know what it is now. And that's when Nightwing pops in. Honestly, I like the team ups mostly because, um, like, I know you, you, I agree with you that it would be better if the team ups lasted a bit longer, uh, which would mean I feel like a better version of this would have just fewer team ups. So then the team ups that we do get are last a bit longer. Um, I like the Nightwing team up because it has none of that Batman. Like I'm, I'm going with you, Bruce. Is like, no, it's too dangerous. I have to do it alone to protect the people I love. It's like, no. Nah. It's like here. He's like, all right, awesome, dynamic duo, just like old days. Yeah, I like that. He's like better pants. There's like big boy pants, and he's like, sure. <laughs> no, I like the team ups because um, they, they, they honestly, they feel natural. They at least still feel, they felt natural to me. Like. The first, you know, we get Green Arrow, and you know, Green Arrow, he is, you know, he's like Batman, but he does. Tr- it, it seems like Green Arrow has, like, he does like to travel a little bit more, so it does make sense, you know, that Green Arrow is like he's also like following a separate lead, and then he, you know, he and Batman just like cross paths because they're both detectives, and detectives cross cross paths all the time, uh, you know, and then he. You know, whenever the reason he links up with Green Lantern is because you know Green Lantern knows Dinosaur Island, and he was one of the he and he and Cyborg were the two who are helping Batman recuperate. So he just like happens to go off with him. Uh, another and funny then, part. There was another funny part with Green Arrow when he's infected with the Riddler toxin, and Bruce has to give him the antidote. It's like, oh, what happened? Uh, you were affected by a deadly neurotoxin. We got into a fight. Did I win? Oh yes. I'm in deep shame. <laughs> I'm in deep shame. And he's like, "Don't tell on the don't tell the others." <laughs> it's really good. They're honestly, they're like I said, the, the like there are small character moments that are honest. Okay, maybe the best uh, outside of the stuff with Alfred, the best like moment between. Batman another character is between Batman and Green Lantern where we get the line I love dinosaurs Batman loves dinosaurs I have a giant dinosaur in my cave you would know oh, that yeah. if you, ever, you would know that if you ever came by when was the last time you invited me when was the last time you invited me to your house Bruce um, no 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 it was re- was reversed because uh, Green, Green Lantern is like have you ever been to my house and he's like you never invited me and he's like, and he's like, is it, is it nice? He's like, nicer than stately Wayne Manor, Bruce. Nothing is nice, nicer than stately Wayne Manor. I do love the small talk. I'll admit that that's another good part about the, about the series. Yeah. This is this is a good book. This is a good book. I I know I know you're it's not right. you're not you're you're Luke you're lukewarm on it. I really I really love it. See, I'm thinking about how you said about how everybody knows Superman, everybody knows Batman, but when you, when I read briefly, from what I remember of the synopsis on the back of that Superman up in the sky about how, like, Superman is going off planet and possibly out of the solar system to rescue one person, 
it's like wow there is really no limit to how far superman will go to save one life like that really encapsulates him that really encapsulates superman his openness for everybody to and trying to get a happy ending for everybody when i think about batman i think about how he usually does things alone and usually has to be coaxed into you know helping people out like i read the synopsis of the superman book it's taken but with superman and it reaches galaxies i'm like okay this sounds good i read the synopsis for batman universe is like oh there's an egg and batman has to go on a round galaxy tour to find out like all right that's a little i guess uh but it it just reminded me of and i think i figured out what would make me enjoy this more it reminded me of the batman superman public enemies movie i actually just recently rewatched that yeah because that also opens with batman like stopping one of his villains from stealing a green artifact but the artifact is a catalyst for introducing Batman to Superman for the first time. Like, we're, we don't, we don't, like, there's more to the MacGuffin here, or the plot coupon, or whatever you want to call it. But there's more to the object we're looking for rather than the object itself. It's opening, it's opening more character dynamics between Bruce and Superman by having them interact with the, each other. So I, I thought I thought to myself, wait a minute. This book is out of continuity anyway. What if this were like an origin story of like Batman has been acting on his own for a few years now, but this egg, this is what gets Bruce to introduce be introduced to the DC universe at large. Like he when he's in France and he runs into Green Arrow, it's like, who are you? who are you? And you have Bruce and Oliver find out each other's identities. And it's like, so this is why you skipped out on the, co- on the company m- meeting baseball team, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> that I am. Oh, sorry. I'm just a million miles a minute. My thoughts. But basically yeah. they, they get formal and Oliver is like, Hey, if you need any trouble, I know a league you can call on. He gives them like a business card for the Justice League. <laughs> and that's how we in- get introduced to Hal Jordan and Cyborg. And that's w- where Bruce is like, wait, there's an island full of dinosaurs? Wait, I love dinosaurs. A, a, I love dinosaurs. Wait, there's a planet of hawk people? This is strange. Yeah, and so... The thing, here's the thing, everything like that opening. you're saying, literally everything you're saying, I'm in total agreement with, on, like in total agreement. I still going to point out, I still love it exactly the way it is, but I'm also in total agreement. Like it, everything you're mentioning would honestly make this book a lot better. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you on it. This is this is solid. This is solid criticism. That I. You have that no I, opposition, but you're still like, but I like it though. Yeah, I am, and that that's honestly how I feel about a lot of things. Where I'm like, yes, this is like you know, it's like you, like this criticism is extremely valid. 
However, I still love this thing. Like I'm, I'm gonna say the the movie that I'm gonna compare that I'm gonna mention is not as good as this comic in my opinion. But I'm gonna go here. It's like with Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending is a movie I really, really love. However, all of the criticism, literally all of the criticism that is laid at the feet of that movie is totally valid. However, I still really love that movie. Oh, it's been years since I've seen Jupiter Ascending. I've only seen it once. It's I'm it's really sure fun. What it's trying to say. Uh, it's trying a lot, uh, and that's the main problem with it, is that it's like, instead of a two-hour, a literal two-hour movie, it should be like a ten-episode miniseries. Like, it has a lot going on in those two hours. It's and Sense8. Exactly, and I think that's why they did Sense8, because it's like, well, we wanted to do a lot, but we were only given two hours, what if we could do a TV show? And then we got Sense8, and it was perfect. Uh, Everyone go watch Sense8. I heard it doesn't pick up until, like, the third or fourth episode of the first season. Yeah, it, 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 take, it takes some while to get to, to, to get into because it is a very weird show. Um, but it once you get into it, it is just... Oh, so I love the Wachowskis so damn much. Uh, I will never, ever, ever stop talking about how much I love them. Um, but and, and, Cloud and Atlas. I, oh, Cloud Atlas is amazing, phenomenal, fantastic, utterly stupendous. I'm just gonna keep throwing words out. Um, but no, I wanted to. Uh, but I, I, I mentioned Jupiter Ascending just because, like. That is a movie that I that I really love. However, there is like all the criticism that is made that is directed at it is totally valid and makes complete sense. And you know I agree with it. However, I still love it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's different than Batman Universe in that like Batman Universe I don't want to change anything. But all of these changes that you're mentioning that probably should have taken place i totally agree with them however i still love it the way it is both things can be true yeah i'm just thinking about when the new 52 launched one of the one of the books was like all-star western with jonah hex and he's founding gotham like that would be a cool tie-in for this book like when we go to in issue four is like jonah hex you're you're finding this Gotham City right now, like that that that'd be cool. Getting into like some lore dump on Old West Gotham. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I also do like the introduction of um of Jenny Hex. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure cool if she was. Intru- I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure if she was introduced for the first time in this book, or if she was just, uh, or if she's been introduced before. This was the first time I ever I had ever had heard of her was reading yeah, this like, and then read, we just got the the one shot that came out yeah when i read when i when i saw i'm looking for his grand great granddaughter genie hex I'm like oh that's neat Joan yeah he- john hex had kids that's cool yeah i wonder with whom though palpatine gotta be palpatine 
<laughs> no! No, we don't mention that. Oh, God. Seriously, though. I mean, I hate the fact... Okay, I'm going to get him. Oh, God, am I going to talk about Rise of Skywalker? I don't think we have time. I'm talk No, we're going to talk about this for a second. I think it's so fucking dumb that... They, that it's like, oh, we're going to introduce Palpatine, and it turns out that the main character is his granddaughter. And and I feel like it n crossed no one's brain. Actually, no, this might have crossed Kathleen Kennedy's brain. But this did not pass through the brain of J.J. Abrams, and it didn't pass through the brain of Chris Terrio. In that... You know, but it crossed everyone else's brain of like, so you're saying Palpatine fucked? Like, legit, like, legit fucked. And then they had to scream and go like, uh, no, no, he, uh, he, he, he made clones, and, and, then and, and, and that's how we got the kids, and that's how Ray's his granddaughter. Like, you do can't you want, fucking fool us, want, man. Do you want what may be a nuclear take on this podcast about the sequel trilogy? What's that? Rise of Skywalker, infinitely better than Force Awakens. I have more fun watching it. Like, granted, I watched a fan edit of it, like, during the week, but and it did fix a lot of stuff in it. But I don't know. I feel did it take out the Ray Palpatine stuff. shit? It did. And not. removed. The, did it remove the 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 final scene? What final scene? When she's on tat when she's on Tatooine. It fixed it. Like you know the you know the opening where. Finn and Poe and Chewie are playing hollow chess. Uh huh. Yeah, that gets moved to the end of the movie, where it's implied that they are on the Falcon waiting for Rey to finish burying the lightsabers in the sand. So Rey's not just alone at the end of the movie. Okay, but she, does she still say Rey Skywalker? Mm. Yes. Does she? No. Yes and no. God damn it. Yes and What that, does she do? Yes in that she says it, but no in that it uses a shot a, a shot of the line from I guess the deleted material where she sounds a lot more pensive and like okay, I guess I guess this is just me moving forward. There's a lot more sadness to saying the line, which it doesn't like, if that's your problem with it, it's not going to fix it, but it's more bearable. The only way that that ending, that that end works... Organa, I know. If she said no. Ray Organa. No. If she had said just, just Ray. Ray. Yeah. The way, they, like, to recall the scene where she, because in the earlier scene when she says just Ray, she says it with sadness because, you know, she's sad that she doesn't have, that she feels like she doesn't have a family. And then throughout the movie, she real, you know, she discovers that she does have, she has this new found family, and at the end, she can still say, "Just Ray," and but she, but you know, she realizes I don't need some last name to feel important. I just need to be me, and I've always been Ray, and I'm still Ray, and I will always be Ray, and that's well, it. Well, Han needs a last name. Apparently, God. <laughs> I don't know. I, I Ron Howard. Short. Life is life is too short to be mad at Star Wars. 
Except if it's Force Awakens. Exactly. That's why I just that's why I just don't pay attention to that movie, and I just say that the Last Jedi was the last movie. As it was. I I don't know. I think I'm I think I'm. Given that I I saw a fan edit of it that fixed a lot of the really bad stuff, like it like it added it adds establishing shots to help slow the pace of the movie down so you can take a breath. <laughs> so you're and saying I, okay, so what you're saying is this fan edit of the Rise of Skywalker is better than the Force Awakens. Yes. Eh, okay. I can I can see it, that. It add, it adds an Avengers Assemble moment, like where they're doing the whole I am all the Sith, I am all the Jedi. It actually has Puppet Yoda, Old Ben, Old Luke, and Christian Anakin using the Force to push back Palpatine's lightning. Okay. Sure. I guess. It's not for me, though. I I enjoy The Force Awakens, um, but... I, I love the last Jedi. I just really really love the last oh, Jedi. Oh yeah, I love the I love the last Jedi. But I'm just I, I am I, just I went into I went into Rise of Skywalker knowing like this isn't gonna be as good. I'm just gonna enjoy the ride. Like Star Wars is like pizza and sex. Even if it's not particularly great, there's something to get out of it. I the. The four no, I, I I don't agree with that honestly because there's a lot of bad pizza and there's a lot of bad sex. You, I sorry, listen, I disagree with listen, that. <laughs> listen, you listen, don't throw rings of pineapple just haphazardly on the pizza. Dice that all up and then just spread it around. Sprinkle it out. That make that makes the flavor not overpowering. I'm not talking about pineapple. I'm just talking about pizza yes, in are. general. Everyone's talking. No, about I'm not. Pineapple. I'm not. I am. I. I am someone who is fine with pineapple on pizza. You know who likes pineapple? Batman. Let's talk about Batman more. <laughs> no, I'm stuck on the pizza thing. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on the pizza. Batman, no, Batman I'm okay. No, in I'm okay with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Batman eats his pizza by putting his finger on the crust and then folding it up like it's a little, like a, like a little pizza pocket, and then just mmm, good. That's Wait, how hold that on. Movie ends. Wait, say that one more time. All right, and Batman meets the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The end. Yeah, yeah, movie. yeah. When they all ordered pizza, Batman mm-hmm. holds the pizza by the crust. He places his finger in the middle of the crust, folds the pizza upward, and then eats it that way. Like a like a taco. So he's like folding. He's folding the pizza in on itself. Yeah. Yeah. I do that. Ah, cool. That was the first time I saw I, that. Yeah, like you know, the, well, I I I don't always fold it, but I do usually hold it like that, where I have my like my index finger in. In like holding it like in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this has gotten weird. <laughs> then, ba- then Batman shoves pizza in Vandal Savage's face. I wish that would have made it. E- <laughs> Honestly, okay, look, the comic for me is like an eight out of ten. You put that in there, already ten out of ten right there. Also, going back to how this was originally twelve issues or instead of six. It really confused me when 
after Vandal Savage like I can, I'm going to use the ring to wipe Batman from existence because lantern rings can do that and then it cuts to the Riddler and Deathstroke and I thought is this a is this a flashback happening the show Batman took precautions but no it turns out Batman just Bruce just grew out his hair and his beard and just became like a burglar no okay so reading it this time i the way i read it was um like he had actually like gone like this is bruce wayne having never become batman and he just has gone throughout his life and then he's but the thing is is that he's slowly like because i would say this is like an alternate timeline so like he but like he's slowly getting these dreams but they're actually memories of of him from the timeline that we've been reading the whole time and he's now and and that's why you have Alfred saying, you know, like you know, like oh, I get, I've, you know, been dusting off my uh you know, my my army skills and you know, and he says like, you know, Bruce, I think you know, he's like, you know, I entertained this, but I think we've, we've taken this a little too far. We can hire people to do these things for you. If you really, if this is so important to you, uh, uh, I don't, I just, I don't know how I'm supposed to, what am I supposed to get out of that? That Vandal Savage wipes Batman and that puts him in a coma or something. And then, then Bruce Wayne as burglar man like mr savage we met at lexcor like what's going on touch the ring and we're come full circle i don't know absolute power corrupts absolutely i don't know it's batman with Sometimes I don't read. I, sometimes I don't want to read too far into things. I just enjoy it. And but but you're right. Yeah, there. It, it, it becomes things. very unclear by the end. Have you heard me on the Sonic podcast, the Film Rescue Show? Not yet. <laughs> I apologize for the audio. Stupid audacity picked up the internal mic and not my good mic. Oh, uh, I hate that. I hate that so much because that that's my that's my problem with sometimes when, when I'm recording is uh, like immediately but like the way I can tell immediately is when I hit record and I hear a whoa 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 what this coming from the computer I'm like nope that's not my mic <laughs> hold on a second <laughs> stop delete uh, why does switch it sound the mics. like I'm underwater oh god yeah that's what it sounds like on my computer whenever I don't record through the mic when I record through the actual com- through my laptop it sounds mm-hmm. awful yeah oh no that's bad well I think uh we have we touched upon everything. we've t- we've covered pretty much everything the one thing though we haven't really covered is you know this being a visual medium the art it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's I love Nick. D- Nick Darrington is one of my favorite artists working today. I wish he would work a lot more than he does, but I'm just glad with the stuff that we do get. Um, I love his work with Gerard Way on Doom Patrol. 
I love the covers he did on Tom King and Mitch Gerrard's Mr. Miracle series. I just really love Nick Darrington, and he should draw Batman more often. Uh, I I wish that this... Like, there's nothing that struck out to me as odd. Uh, I I liked Vandal Savage's design. It was very... I don't know, what word would you use to describe as his design? What, bald Vandal Savage? Yeah, bald, bearded Vandal Savage. Uh, how would you describe it? I had a word, I had a word, but I didn't... Genghis Khan? No, I don't know. No, he's... He, honestly, he felt more like uh, uh, enlightened in a way. Like he felt like he it was like an you know he you know being bald he's I don't know I'm I don't know if that so sounds used right. To Vandal Savage having mutton chops. <laughs> yeah. I wish also, Vandal Savage was bald more often. Also, I'm not really a fan of Five O'clock Shadow Batman. It just looks. I mean, not that he would pay attention to his grooming, but if he's dedicating fully to the Batman persona, but. I don't know. It, it it doesn't sit well. Also, I wish that not we're something in you're the, a fan of. Yeah. Also, I wish he were in the gray and blue, and more of the story instead of just the six issue where he's in the nether realm, the the very pretty nether realm, but nether realm, you know. I, I did like how you can see like the 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 red stream of color, blue stream of color, and that all connects as you look top to bottom of the panel layout it all connects together of what what i'm talking you know issue six where he's in the white place but it's all colorful oh gotcha gotcha gotcha. okay yeah you can see the streams of red blue green yeah even though it's separated by panels it all it's all one straight line or one connected line Mm mm-hmm that was pretty. Yeah. Also, uh, all of the action scenes were great. I, I, I love the panel layout there. I love the pacing of them. Uh, I, I really love in um, in the Old West after like Hal gets like sent off and it's just Jonah and Bruce uh, fighting the uh, what are the, the 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 ninjas that Vandal Savage hired? The Black Order. Uh, when they're fighting the Black Order, and we get the uh, the twelve panel grid for two pages, and we just get like this continuous action f- on every panel. I loved that, uh, and I one of my one of my favorite oh, a really weird moment, but a weird moment that I kind of like is um, at the very beginning when Alfred mentions to him that uh, like ev- like all the riddler decoys or stuntmen and he just goes stuntmen and he's like yes i can hear the delight in your voice have at him because <laughs> that's kind of like batman is like i don't want to hit people i don't want to hit civilians but these are stuntmen so they can take it <laughs> and i love that i love that little moment i don't know that's another little nitpick the just that this knowing that this was written for kids who were shopping at Walmart specifically, it it's a little disconcerting that Riddler still makes reference to how when the first time he met Batman, he got punched so hard he woke up two days later in the ICU with no front teeth. 
It's like, yay, kids Batman. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, okay. Sure. Batman the Animated Series gets violent, though, too. Yeah, but not... Not sadist Batman who loves the sound of bones breaking under his heel. Violent. I don't think that's this Batman. I think it's just... Batman was really angry at the Riddler for doing the shit he does, and so he punched him really hard. And also, the Riddler's a wuss. You heard it here. The Riddler's a wuss. Except in Tom King's run, because for some reason, uh, Mikhail Yanin draws Riddler to be just, like, jacked. <laughs> it's kind of... It's kind of disconcerting... Kind of disconcerting that, like, the way Mikhail Yanin draws the Riddler, he's just huge. Oh, it's Riddler from the Harley Quinn show. You mean very wimpy and and voiced by uh, Jim Rash? Hey, have you seen season two? He got so jacked. I haven't haven't finished season two, and and, and I haven't watched it in a while. I need to get back to it. I need to get back to it. Oh, yay. Okay, yeah. Okay, I I remember this now. Yeah, when he's... uh, (laughs) I remember now. Never mind. I totally remember everything now. Also, he gets jacked in the Batman Hush movie, which I like. I haven't watched the Batman Hush movie. I have... You used to watch the Batman Hush movie. I... Well, the thing... Here's the thing. I have read... I've only read the comic, and... In the time between reading it for the first time and now, I have mixed feelings on. M- most of them, just like I'm kind of lukewarm on the, on the story now. So I don't know how I'd feel about watching a movie. I've tried re- reading the Batman Hush storyline, even knowing where it leads, and like, no, nah, I, I just hate Thomas Elliot. He sucks. He's terrible. So is Thomas Elliot sh- not in the Hush movie? He's just a shitty rich kid. Oh, he's in the Hush movie, but he's handled better. Huh. Okay, maybe I do have to watch it. Okay. Yeah. All right, you convince me. I'll watch it. Yes. <laughs> Look, the thing is, Jeff Loeb uh, is... N- I haven't liked his stuff that much since, uh, since the turn of the century. Like I like um, his stuff from the '90s, his Batman stuff from the '90s, like The Long Halloween and Haunted Night. Uh, I like Jeff. I like the Jeff Loeb who wrote Commando. Yeah. movie. Yeah. That's how long he's been in the business. Let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> All right. Well, I well now that I've finally talked about uh nick how awesome nick darrington is and also dave stewart literal legend uh coloring this um i think we've pretty much covered the covered this book and uh how you are very lukewarm on it and how i am extremely positive on it and Mm -hmm. both are valid so uh, with just as that, valid, just as valid as the idea that maybe Ray should have been a Palpatine the whole time. From the from Episode Seven, I mean, like don't miss. Yeah, if they just if they, if they decided to actually like say it out loud in the beginning, sure. But they never did that. 
Season five of Film Rescue Show, I'm fixing Force Awakens. Good for you. Yeah. I'm not touching that shit because, I mean, at this point, I don't care. I'm just, I'm just very tired of hearing about Star Wars. I've still only watched the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, and I can't bring myself to continue watching it. If Seth will let me, I will fix the finale of Mandalorian Season 2 also. As where Luke fix. isn't there? Uh, where Luke is better set up. Because no one in that no one in that cast has any reason to meet up with Luke except Boba Fett. Okay. Is Boba Fett Luke? there? Yeah, he is. Okay. Like, he, like I said, I've ba- literally watched the, val- the first two episodes, so I like, I, like I didn't even meet spoilers? like the supporting cast. Uh, do you care about spoilers for this? Uh, yeah, no one listened to this show, so yeah, go for it. Okay, so basically, Boba Fett shows up in episode six. He's been tracking Mando because Mando got Boba Fett's armor in the first episode of season two. And then when he mm-hmm. finally tracks him down, he's like, you give me my armor back, I'll ensure the safety of the child you're carrying. But then Baby Yoda gets captured, and he's like, hey, we had a deal. I'm going to ensure the safety of the child. I, I don't know why I'm Australian now. <laughs> because, well, he's not Australian. Uh, he's, 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 he's from New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. But basically, basically, Boba Fett is like the... Uh, chauffeur, chauffeur for Mando after his ship gets blown up, but basic, but and he leaves the episode eight, the finale of that season. But I was like, what if he were? What if instead of just leaving and not coming back and helping, what if he were like looking for another Jedi? Like, because because I did, I realized this driving home the other day, there are two Jedi Boba Fett could have gone after to help recapture baby yoda there's luke and there's mace mace is alive he could be you already got sam jackson shooting the secret invasion show for disney plus pull the trigger and bring just, mace just, windu back with a robot just on. just put, just like lead him over to another studio and like the, the next uh the studio next door and just yeah shoot that shit yeah, it's much better than using deep fakes to convince people that Mark Hamill is still a young man. Oh god, hearing about that just broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just use the already just use a character who would actually age between now and because seriously, why did we have to fucking deep fake Peter Cushing into Rogue One? Just cast someone else. God damn it! I'm still, I'm still like legitimately mad about the Peter Cushing deep fake in Rogue One. Did you know that the lady they got to play Mon Mothma in Rogue One apparently played her in the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, she was also the original Mon Mothma from Return of the Jedi. What? I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm probably very wrong, but I I could have sworn. 
Hold on a second. Stall for me. I'm going to look up. Okay, well, do not really stall for me, but I'm going to look up Rogue so, One. So, in okay, conclusion, Boba Fett should have gone after Mace to so that they could come back and save the day. So it's not just random Jedi out of nowhere saving everything. And then when you could you could have had a scene of Mando's like, are you, su- are you sure I can trust this guy? And you just have Boba respond to Mando, this is the way. And, br- and actually make it feel like it's a story instead of just a mandate. Sure. I, uh... I have no attachment to Boba Fett, so I used he to, could he I could have stayed dead for all I care. Yeah, I used to have attachment, but then I realized, wait, he's done nothing. <laughs> yeah, he never did anything. And in fact, uh, like rewatching like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, right? I don't, actually, no, I haven't watched Return of the Jedi recently. I had to rewatch Return he of the Jedi. Speak in Return of the Jedi. Uh no he does not, but I in bring, I only bring that the, up in because... Empire he seems like kind of a dumbass. Like he just seems like he it it really on it I forgot who I was talking about this with but it no honestly seems like Boba Fett is just someone who like lucked into some armor but is honestly a dumbass. <laughs> I think yeah, it's like he that. he lucked into some armor because his father was Django. Jungle. I only bring up the fact that he doesn't speak in Jedi because for Christmas I got me some Blu-ray burns of the despecialized editions of the original trilogy floating around the internet. Mm-hmm. And it is it's weird going back to the original Boba Fett voice after hearing Tamura Morrison for so long. Okay, like yeah, origi- like I was wrong. Original, he, like in the original, he Boba Fett sounds like this monster. He's like, "What if he doesn't survive the process? He's worth a lot to me." But then you have mm-hmm. Tamara Morrison doing a much more. What if he doesn't survive the process? He's worth a lot to me. <laughs> it's just, it's better. I'm sorry, it's just better. Yeah. Okay, I was wrong. Uh, it is a different actor who played yeah. Mothma. You are yeah, you are right. Uh, it was Genevieve O'Reilly. She played uh, Mon Mothma in Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One, and voiced her in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, and that concludes Mon Mothma March Madness in January. She was also Tarzan's mother in The Legend of Tarzan. Also with Sam Jackson. You're Tarzan, man. That's all I remember from the trailer. That and you, he is Tarzan. You are Jane. He will come for you. Oh, Christoph Waltz. I actually saw that most dangerous game quibby thing that he was in. Wait, Christoph Waltz was in that? Yeah, he was the guy who's like, all right, all right, Liam Hemsworth, we are going to hunt you, and if you, you mean survive, Count Zaroff? you get a big payday. You mean Count Zaroff? Who? My boy? I believe his name is Count Zaroff. From the most Ooh. dangerous game, and the most dangerous game, uh, the, the the oh, he's not, the, he's not. The, that's not his name in the, in the Quibi movie. Oh, I forget well, what his name is. Uh, he's named like yes, yeah, Kansarov. He's he's named like something something after Detroit in the name of the movie. 
God damn it. I don't Fucking know. God I don't damn know. it. No, it's Count Zaroff. That's the only way I will, I will watch the, the most dangerous game is if it's Count Zaroff. Or read the story because I, re I read the short story when I was in high school. I watched the Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns hunts everybody for sport. <laughs> I I watched nah I, wa I watched a movie I watched I watched a movie adaptation in high school or something. Oh, the most dangerous game. Yeah. Is it was it the the 1930s one? I don't know. It was in black and white. So the 1930s one, the one that I think one. most people have seen, which was uh, released by the Criterion Collection mm. on Laserdisc no, and DVD, but it's currently out of print. Uh, yeah, so one. we've gone way off the rails now, so uh, uh, it's time to end this episode with plugs time. Nick, what are the plugs? Give me your plugs, man. Uh, my plug. Uh, I'll plug my Discord, Nick Wolf, capital N I C space capital capital W O O L F E at hashtag zero seven six zero. If you want to hit me up there, and I'm also on Reddit as u slash m y c k o u n t. I talk about other like quick fixes, like if you liked what my suggestions were for making Batman Universe a little m meatier of a read. You might like that, but yeah, that's all I got right now. And I've also recorded for the Film Rescue Show. I did one episode where I talked about all three prequels. That's right. Fixed all three prequels in one go. I'm surprised as you are. And I also talked about Sonic a little. I'm a little less proud of that because, as I mentioned, the audio is not great. But if uh, they released it. So they didn't scrap it, so it must have some merit to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised the Film Rescue even lets me on that show. I don't know why. Oh, and I also have an upcoming quick fix for the Film Rescue show where I fixed Thor Ragnarok. Noise. Is it to make it more colorful? Uh, it's to move the scenery from Sakaar to hell. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. I can understand that. I can understand that. All right. Well, uh, I, I'd say we're, we're, uh, we're, we're done here. And, uh, mm -hmm. with that in mind, this being the end of the episode, uh, I'm just going to say uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want to follow uh, the show on Twitter, we are at ComicsQuestShow. Uh, and uh, we also have a Discord. If you want to join the Discord, the link is in the Twitter bio. Uh, also, uh, thank you to the wondrous Dan Purcell for uh, crafting the beautiful theme music you uh, heard at the beginning of this episode and you will hear at the end. Uh, also check out all of his music. Uh, he's doing some really big things this year and, uh, you should all be paying attention cause it's fantastic. You can also follow him on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dan Purcell and, uh, look forward to upcoming episodes. We're going to be talking. We stand on guard black Sad. I still have my Scott Pilgrim episode planned and we're going to be talking a bunch of Marvel comics after that, talking about black widow and she Hulk and the vision and, uh, Punisher and Hawkeye and Doctor Strange and I'm super super excited for all of this coming up and uh, seriously 
Uh, I joked about it earlier saying that no one listened to the show. Uh, but the people who do listen to the show, thank you so much. You don't have to. And for some reason, you listen to my dumbass when I bring on wonderful guests. So thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you, Nick, for coming back for the third time. Uh, really being very generous with your time. And, um, and that's it. Uh, so thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye. Say another.